Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion Knives. Live from the campus of Top Radio, under the direction of Guido, Scoot, and Johnson, it's the pride of podcasting. It's Got Your Ears On. Hi everybody, Guido here, just dropping in real quick to let you know we're taking a week off this week, but we will be back next week with another show breaking down the Gold Blue game and talking about whatever is going on with WVU basketball and the transfer portal. But for this week, we're going to drop a little bit of classic fall football talk on you. Here's two segments, best of segments from last fall talking about WVU football. So hope you enjoy. We'll be back next week, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. I'm Guido along with Scoot. Let's go. And Johnson. 1-0, Guido. 1-0, baby. 1-0. West Virginia takes the win. First game of the season. Season opener. Take that, Colonels. Take that, Colonels. 56-10. And I want to tell you the most upsetting thing about this game to me. What? The Marshall fans won't shut up. Just shut up, Marshall fans. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear you. It's transitive property. Oh, my God. Marshall fans. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I come on seriously. I don't Marshall really. Thing. I I know what you're talking about, but considering considering that late third quarter we were playing third stringers like beer vendors, like anyone <laughs> right. that happened to walk by got to go. Parents in. that were in the stands came down and played. Yeah, I mean, uh, come on, come on, really? Like we started a true. We had a true freshman in at quarterback at one point, Marshall. I don't really understand this Eastern Kentucky logo. With the two lines, with the with these lines, what are these? The things? two, yeah, the the two horizontal lines. It, you know what it reminded me of, and this is just gonna sound mean, but I'm being honest. Remember back in the day when you'd play like an old Nintendo football game, and they didn't have the licensing, so they made up like logos. That's what that it's reminded great. me of. Just put two lines up there to give it some flair. Like it didn't make any <laughs> like, sense. Like what is, is that? I don't even. Yeah. So West Virginia pulls off the win, not surprisingly, against Eastern Kentucky University, fifty-six to ten. They covered the spread. The spread was forty, which I did not expect them to do. I'll be honest. Yeah, I thought that that was going to be a tough spread to cover. I mean, uh, they covered huge. it late. That was very late yeah, that they covered it. But, right. Um, and I have to tell you, so uh, the most exciting, really, thing for me for the uh, the whole game, uh, Fairmont boy Zach Frazier gets in starting center for the pretty much the whole game. Uh, pretty amazing to see him out there, true freshman. Uh, first true freshman to start at center in over 40 years. Yeah, WVU. that's amazing just in itself. Talk about a stat. I mean, that's crazy. And uh, and you know what's interesting is in the postgame press conference, Coach Brown was talking about, you know, a lot of questions came up about him and playing and the decision to have him play, and that's an important role, important an important position uh, you know, to have a true freshman start. Yeah, and sure. he actually he actually mentioned that during camp, uh, whatever it was, the gold or the blue team when they were in camp, that Zach Frazier was lining up every day nose to nose with Darius Stills. So I think, think that about probably that. Yeah, that probably think about helped that. him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Scoot would want to line up every day against Darius Stills. I don't know that Darius Stills wants to line up every day against <laughs> me. <laughs> He wouldn't. Listen. He wouldn't get any better. He'd be knocking you down every single time. Late nineties, I played a very vicious offensive line in uh, intramural 
flag football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just knocking people right off the line. I mean, it was Pancake right City. Knocking flags out of hip pockets. It was Pancake City. I was blowing holes up. Well, and Guido, how about just to pump up your polar bear pride here a little bit, how about five polar bears I love suiting up Saturday? Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. That makes one say, what happened to you? <laughs> I did not play uh, football. Uh, they gen- they churn out these football players. What's going on? Yeah, like there's something in the water up there. I was not uh, a good football player. So, but in in actuality, Zach Frazier got the start because there were eleven suspended players. None were COVID related. Right. But eleven suspended players. On- and we heard about this Guido approximately fourteen minutes before kickoff. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, I think we were Or at least I did. We were talking about it. TJ Simmons was one of the suspended players and I, we were texting, the three of us were texting before the game and TJ Simmons was on the Instagram or the Twitters or something and he was like getting dressed and I was like, Oh, does he not we must he must have not known he was suspended until a half hour before the game. So Well, and but, my understanding too, Scoot, was that apparently this was like, you know, something that happened some time ago and they already had you know, this was like planned. It's not was, like anyone was shocked. And you know, maybe we were surprised, but as far as the known, team was I'm, concerned. I'm gonna guess maybe something could have been something in the spring for all we know, really. Right. Um that was my impression. And I would also, imagine that I was these say, also weren't all the same. These weren't all the same violation. I have a feeling these were eleven separate violations that probably caused them to miss this. Well, this and also game. interesting is that they were suspended, yet they were in street clothes with their jerseys on on the sideline. So Wait, it was like is- like T.J. Simmons was on the sideline, just not in pads. He was wearing his jersey, but just hanging out in shorts and his jersey. Yeah, I'm sure it was for something along the lines of missing a practice, showing or study up hall or something, or yeah, yeah, study hall something. Well, they were quick to say it's non-COVID related, but they I were very quick to. Say I was that. suspicious of that, but I don't um, know. But so let's 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 just jump off and talk about the game right away, guys, and probably the standout, a little bit of the shocker, especially in the first quarter. Letty Brown looked looked good yeah he came out just he came out sizzling early i mean he he had a rushing touchdown and a, and a receiving touchdown i think by the second quarter so he he was really playing well and i thought you know he was actually getting some room to run i mean i know it was eastern kentucky but he actually had you know lanes to hit and holes to run through which was nice to see for a change he finishes with 123 yards on 10 attempts two touchdowns uh rushing one touchdown for 15 yards receiving. So three touchdowns in total for him. A great a great sort of beginning way to start off the season. Definitely looks like the number one back, at least, to start with. Yeah, and I think to his credit, uh, Alex Sinkfield was also running the ball really well. So I you know, I like the notion that I think I think I agree with you. Letty's the the number one, but Sinkfield played really well too. Well, and I think that's the crazy thing is Sinkfield and Letty Brown had identical stats. They both ran for 123 <laughs> right. yards and two touchdowns. So. Crazy. So here's a question. And I here I'm coming in. This is like complete. It's like opposite year. Okay. okay. All right. It's clearly 2020. I'm being optimistic. You're saying I'm going to come in and say, okay. So Letty Brown ran really well. Alex Sinkfield ran really well. We know what our offensive line and what our running game was like last year. Is it that we are that much improved, or is this just more of a testament as to how bad Eastern Kentucky's defensive line, you know, linebacking core, like, is it is it more so that they're really, really bad against the run, 
because you've got two guys running for over 100? I'm going to give you a very unsatisfactory answer and say it's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, look, Eastern Kentucky was probably one of the worst teams we've faced in a long, long time. I mean, right. honestly. Um, yep. They're not the normal FCS team if you think about, you know, Georgia Southern, JMU, these teams that come in, I'm usually kind of like, yeah, these, these teams make noise in FCS. EKU is not a team like that. But at the same time, I think – we know they've been happy with the offensive line play. Those guys are probably a little bit more on the same page. And Letty Brown and Alex Sinkfield have a year under their belt too to to mature on. So I'd I'd say it's a little bit of both. I'm hoping though that it parlays into better play against better competition. Scoot, I think uh, I'm with you, Johnson. Like I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I mean, EKU is nobody to you know write home or be worried about. Um, but I think that this is also in a lot of ways, the start that I think we needed to help help this team really get their feet under themselves. It's certainly a confidence builder, yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma State in two weeks is, is going to be a much more difficult game. You're going to be playing a much higher level of recruits in, you know, from, from defensive line all the way to the secondary. Um, we'll, we'll see a little bit – we'll get a little bit better of the story during that game. But I think it was good to have this start where we looked good. I think they felt good. I think it was, you know, I mean, we talked about before we got on. We talked about Letty Brown's comments and the post and the post game press conference. He said he was happy with the fat boys. Yeah, he was happy with the fat boys talking about the O line. Um, I think it builds that getting that built into this team and trying to do a lot of the things that Neil Brown's been trying to do. And let's be honest, Neil Brown has been for WVU fans. Neil Brown has been given a gift like this season, albeit crazy and no fans and nobody's going to be able to probably go to a game and it's going to feel weird. It's a gift because you have all of these guys that are going to be able to play and not lose eligibility. It's basically year 1.2 for Neil Brown. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. That's it, unique. It, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think, you know, I'm that worried about it at this point. I will tell you that um, in a lot of ways, I think Letty Brown looked better than Alex Sinkfield. Uh, I mean, there was the, a little bit of issue for the punt return for Alex Singfield. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, when you talk about – think about this. Last year, West Virginia averaged 2.3 yards a carry, right? That was their average last year. Uh, this week, this weekend's total was 6.5 yards a carry. Letty Brown had tw- was 12.3 and Alex Singfield was 8.2. Well, and wasn't there some kind of crazy stat I read that, like, the so Saturday's game was essentially like thirty five percent of the total rushing yards that we had all of last year. It was we had we had last year just barely over a thousand rushing yards. We had three hundred twenty nine this weekend. But so, Scoot, the the one thing I would there's nowhere to go but up, Scoot. That's what all I'm saying. Well, and and the one thing I would add, Scoot, to that kind of fence, you know, straddling the fence answer I gave you, I think anything that went out wide Saturday with running plays didn't look so hot. Anything kind of between the tack this is me talking like i know what i'm talking about but anything between the tackles to me looked a lot better and so that was just simply because physics right we're just able to push eastern kentucky off the line of scrimmage so my fear then is when you get against better big 12 competition guys that you can't just push off the line yeah we're probably gonna see a a lot different story but i'm hoping though it's it's a better you know better than last season i think i'm gonna reserve my I guess judgment on whether or not the running game looks better because I really don't know that it does. I I just think, you know, for us to 
to see what we saw last year. And then obviously this is complete opposite. We got a third of the rushing yards <laughs> that we had in one game <laughs> all of last season. And right. two guys ran for over 100 yards, not just one. Like it wasn't like. Like, to me, that's like <laughs> video game type stuff. So your takeaway is more, wow, EKU sucks. Yeah, like, I, than... I mean, I I don't know that I was – and I watched the game, and I don't know that I was like, wow, man, our running backs are phenomenal. It was more like, holy crap, that's a wide hole. I think I could run through that. And yeah, well, so we'll see. But I, I'm trying to be optimistic. I think it has to be better, and I think – it, the fact that Coach Brown coming in was so, um, what am I trying to say, Guido? So high on the, you know, so congratulatory of the strides the offensive line has made. I'm trying to be optimistic on it. But you're right, Scoot. I think we'll, we'll see against better competition. Well, and, and Eastern Kentucky kind of also had that feel of, and we've all seen teams, whether it be football, basketball, uh, any sport really, that is not a great team once – that first series happened for WVU. It's for the Eastern Kentucky guys. It's like, all right, hang on, let's see how bad this one's going to be. Like, right. So all of a and sudden, I, the play is not near as inspired. Right. And and this and the stats show that. I mean, like if you look down the the team comparison stat lines, it's kind of like, who did we play? Like, I honestly think Martinsburg might have been a better matchup for us <laughs> than than Eastern Kentucky. I mean. Uh, we had 31 first downs. They had nine. We had 329 rushing yards. They had 75. We had 295 passing yards. They had 131. So, you know, total offensive yards, we had 624. They had 206. So, yeah, it wasn't much of a of a match, I guess. You know, it wasn't much of a test. But sticking with the offensive line, Scooty, you know, you prior to this weekend, this past weekend, you, you were – very hot on this whole quarterback situation. Jared Dagey got announced as starter. Yes, I'm still there. And so Dagey this weekend, not bad. 19 for 25 for 280 or 228 yards and three touchdowns. Uh 32 yard long um pass with Reese Smith there. Or I'm sorry, with Sam James for that touchdown pass. Um, you know, where do you stand after then you saw Austin Kendall come in in the second half and we saw Garrett Green a little bit in the third in the third quarter. All right. Or fourth quarter. Where where were you where are you on this? All team? right, here's here's where I stand, and you guys can uh do what you want with this hot take. All right. So I thought Daggy looked okay. I mean, he wasn't like setting the world on fire. He didn't seem to I thought he and Bryce Ford Wheaton really connected better than he and Sam James. I felt like Sam James was kind of uh, not an afterthought, but uh, kind of a, a ghost at times, whereas Ford Wheaton looked big, looked strong, caught well, caught in traffic, had some speed upfield. I, I was really impressed with him. I would agree with that, yeah. Austin Kendall, the floats my goats, was a little bit back. Uh, he looks, and I think Johnson put this in our show note, uh, he looked kind of like a guy that was thinking about what he was going to eat for the postgame meal, more so than like, hey, this is my chance to to maybe take the job back. For can I just interject, Scoot? My yeah. thought for as for as little as Austin Kendall appeared to have wanted to be there Saturday, Garrett Green appeared to have really wanted to like talk about two ends of the energy spectrum. Right. And yeah. I'll okay, so going into that fourth quarter then, and this is a hot take that you may not like. Hot take alert. I like 
Garrett Green. I like Garrett Green. I like Green. Garrett Green, too. I like the energy. I like the smack talk. I like yeah. all of it. I knew he was. I knew Scoot I'm was going to say that. Like, I, I honestly think Garrett Green's the number two right now. I, after watching this weekend, I want Garrett Green. Well, that's to be the intriguing two. thing, right? Do you what? So, does that make you think that Garrett Green gets in there late? Like, hey, let's let's feel this out a little bit. And here's the great thing about it, Garrett Green. Like, let's let's take everything else aside. In two years, Garrett Green is going to be our starting star quarterback. I I just see it. It's coming. But but here's the thing. No matter what happens, as it, you know, he could he could take us to the national championship in in two or three years. Every clip they are going to show is that first play he gets in and gets slammed onto the ground. Like, welcome, welcome, welcome to D one football, boy. Here's bam. Here's, I like. So I think he's got a strong connection with Reese Smith. I, I I imagine I'm just speculating, but they're probably roommates. A lot of times you see those two guys, they kind of came, they kind of got recruited similar time frame, um, probably had campus visits similar time frame. So right. a lot of times you end up being roommates with those guys. So I've got a feeling like they probably are roommates or they have a friendship off the field because they, they seem to connect really well on a couple of those pass plays. Well, I, I was surprised at how low energy Austin Kendall looked. I mean, I know he has to be disappointed, but honestly, he just looked like he'd rather be at his dentist appointment than be in the game. And then, although, so I'll give Scoot this, okay, because Scoot does these kind of comments just to try to get under my skin. So I'll give Scoot, like, I'd rather with Garrett Green have to talk him down a little bit. Like, at one point, Coach Brown pulled him over and was like, hey, shut up. You know, like, because he he looked like a jack wagon talking smack to, like, these guys that just happened to find – jerseys with eku on him and played some football right <laughs> he's like flexing and stepping over a guy when he's down and i stuff. like listen that guy was hit him dirty but, I, but i'd rather i'd i'd rather have that guy that i have to be like hey just you know cool, cool that down a little bit let's concentrate and focus you know well, rather than go out to austin kendall and be like hey hey buddy what's bothering you today you know like right. so i can easily see garrett green working into the number two if that's the energy level comparison my only see. concern with garrett green i have one concern none of it is his mouth none of it is, i thought he ran really well for a quarterback right. i think he's well you can tell he's an athlete i mean he's he's got he's got skills what do you think my one concern is with him his hair no, his hair is pretty good. I think he's got, I think he's got good hair. Oh, I thought you were gonna go the hair route. Um, actually, I don't know, Scoot. I don't know what to pick at. His height. He's not exceptionally tall. He's they list him at five eleven. Yeah, he's not. That's true. He listen. So where's he from? Anybody know where he's from? Uh, is he not from? He's not from. He's from the south. He's from Tuscaloosa. Uh, I mean, I think he would be playing in Bryant Denny Stadium if he was like six if, two, six three. Yeah. If he was probably three inches taller. Yeah. No, I I agree with that, Scoot. I mean, but I don't think that holds him back, though. I mean, I think he can still do it. No, I I do. It gives me like I don't want to say anxiety, but it gives me like uh, a bit of a Skyler Howard like. Eh, yeah, is he well, gonna, that's who you think of. Yeah, that's you who know, you think of. And he's taller than Skyler Howard, but you can you can tell. I mean, Skyler Howard was like five foot six. I mean, like I get worried because I do think that. Neil Brown's done a pretty good job of bringing in new offensive line recruits. And I think that the offensive line does look better. And when you bring in bigger guys, which I think is what they're starting, you're starting to see some of these bigger guys get recruited. Like that makes it that much tougher for him to see. Right. 
So I do hope, like, I mean, if if they run him like they kind of ran him, and I think some of that is because he's a freshman quarterback in there and they're trying not to let him get killed uh, as far as sitting back there and trying to pass, and they were up big. Yeah, right. You're not you're not really throwing. Right. At that but point. If, if they let him and they throw some run schemes in there with him, I think they can offset some of the, the height issue that I have with them, like they care what I think. But um, – that, that is my only concern. I would make him number two right now. I would tell Austin Kendall, you can hold the clipboard or you can go eat sandwiches. I don't really care if you're going to come in like, you know, if you're going to come in kind of with like a flat attitude, like this is your chance, man. Right. You know, you, you got an opportunity to play in the second half in a game that you might not have gotten an opportunity to play at all in. Do something with it. Well, and of, my thought was, I know it's Eastern Kentucky. I know you're up by a couple touchdowns at that point, but go out and be solid and remind people you're solid. You know what I mean? Like go go out and have energy and and just be solid, and then keep keep everyone keep you know you in the back of everyone's mind. To me, he would have better he would have been better off just not going in there Saturday for as flat as he looked. Yeah, I agree. He he still was playing with some of the ones too. I mean, oh yeah, it yeah. wasn't like it right. wasn't like he was getting the bottom of the barrel. I mean, he he just doesn't look like a guy that commanded the number one spot last year, right? So you would think that okay, he's got maybe a chip on his shoulder now, even more so than he had. Like, I feel like he's should have a permanent chip on his shoulder the way he's probably feels he's been handled his entire college career, right? Almost constantly the backup. Well, I mean, that would do it to you, yeah, right. sure. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't get yeah. it, but I mean, and he's there now, and he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's not there. Here's the thing: it's, it, he's going to be the backup. He's the backup. He, it's unfortunate for him, but and uh, I honestly think that at this point in the season, unless something tragic happens to Jarrett Dagey, I don't see him playing much after this past weekend. You know, right? Um, so I agree with you. I mean, I, I I'm happy with Dagey. I think that we. You know, I think Deggy looked good. I think he looked um, he looked energetic. I think the team looked energetic around him. The I mean, he threw. We had 10, 10 people caught passes, and f- half of which caught multiple. You know, had multiple uh, receptions. So, I mean, I think the wide receiver core looked strong this year. I think quarterback looked strong. I think O line looked better. It's hard to tell against a team like EKU, but I yeah. think O line looked better. Yeah. Let's let's switch over to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit about defense, guys. There were parts of this game that I was like, man, the defense looks like they're playing really well. And then there were parts of this game where I was like, man, they should really be playing better. Like, I really I'm not I was actually I'm more worried right now as we stand about the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. Well, I think it's a generic comment, Guido. I don't really have more detail to add, but my general feeling was just about the defensive secondary. Um, I just felt if you if you think about so before halftime, maybe midway to late second quarter, EKU got a little bit of energy on some quarterback runs and then they burned us with a really long touchdown pass where we just kind of looked lost. And then there were other times where I felt like receivers were catching the ball and it took a Mississippi or two count for a WVU defender to get into the to the picture. So. I, you know, again, I don't know how much you learn from games like this. You know, maybe he was still moving people around, and and I know, you know, they've they've got some younger guys on defense, but still, I my thing, you know, I guess my cynical side kicked in, and I was like, whoa, is there some, some, you know, some soft spots in this in this secondary? And I think what makes me worry is just because we know how teams in the conference wing the ball around. So, 
Um, well, and I'm I'm with you on that. Here's here's a couple things to think about. Like so, um, and then we'll talk about the good things. Let's start with the bad, and then we'll talk about the good things. So, the I, I was a little upset. We got burnt a couple of times downfield, and and granted, it was probably only two or three times, but against a team like EKU, it should have been zero. And I, I think that's what I was thinking too. It was more like I feel like that shouldn't be happening against this team. And then looking at the defensive interior, and and I guess if we, I'm going to tell you a stat. And if we were playing Oklahoma or we were playing Baylor or any of the other teams in our conference, with the exception of maybe you know Kansas, um, I, I I would be happy with this stat. I think for this game, I'm not. Four sacks for 21 yard losses. People who so Vandarius Cowan's sack looked great. Yeah, it was a three yard loss, but it was he it, the way he broke through. Yeah, looked great. I agree. Um, you know there were a couple other sacks in there. One person uh, who didn't make the you know Mesidor had a great sack. One person who didn't make the stat line at all, guys. I'm not saying this is a thing, but again, it's EKU. Darius Stills, nothing on the stat line. Yeah, and I I thought about that too, but you know probably I didn't pay attention to it enough, but I'm sure they had people you know trying to focus on both of the Stills brothers not beating them up, and that's why other people probably had some opportunities. But I I tend to agree with you on that, Guido. You know, Dante had one tackle for a loss, um, one and a half tackle for a loss for three yards. Well, and you know that it, it bothered Darius because he tweeted about it. I saw yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah he said I it, saw that. I will be better. So it's probably frustrating, but like you said, all of the attention is on him. Yeah, that's my It's feeling. going to allow, which is – you're going to see Akeem Mesador and you're going to see um, his brother Dante probably excel. And then um, Pooler also does did well. So you're going to see some of those guys. And Guido, um, the other thing too, I mean, here I am trying to pick a negative on the secondary. And then you have a die making a top 10, you know, ESPN top 10 play interception that was magnificent. So great. I mean, that's probably more me picking at them than anything else. I think I just worry about the way we know offenses are going to wing the ball around. I'd like to just make sure we have confidence in those guys. Can I ask you a question that's somewhat related to the football game and the COVID? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the man trip. Okay. Okay. Did you see any photos? I saw a photo, I think, or or tweet or something with with Coach Brown rubbing the the coal. Yeah. The coal. Like, yeah. coal. Is that advisable during this uh, kind of I time? Like, do, they, do they do they sanitize the coal block? Are they wearing gloves? No. I mean, I don't know. Is that something we still do? Does someone run up and wipe the coal off? before the next touch maybe that's what i'm saying like do you like what happens when you put like lysol on coal i don't even know well think of it think of it this way think about the procedures of it guys so how this is going to work all season long this is this is every game is friday morning every player every staff every staff member is getting tested is getting covid tested friday morning they get those results by friday evening for the saturday game so Obviously, if if they have a positive, if somebody is they're they're either kicked, you know, they either kicked out or if they have more than a certain number of positives, they're not going to play a game. So I would say, Scoot, as much as you're worried about it, I think it was probably fairly safe for them to all rub the lump of coal, if you will. Safe man um, trip, Scoot. Safe man trip. The uh, other thing I wanted, what was so speaking about things that the players and the teams went, what was with the uh, 
Juice Squad signs. Did you guys see those? The Juice Squad and Get Juiced Up. They were all holding these signs. Now, I didn't pick up on this, so I, yeah, I don't they, know. They, they, they're holding they, the... And I don't know if it's how they're calling plays in or what it's about, but there's signs on the sidelines that they that I saw a couple of times. They're like, get juiced up or juice squad and all this stuff. But is that kind of like, uh, uh, you know, designated hype guys? Like there's no crowd to hype you yeah, up. It wasn't, so maybe it wasn't you've got players. The juice it definitely squad. looked like, yeah, it definitely looked like the, uh, either coaches or some assistants, grad assistants. Like Tal Cobras, but they were the yes. juice squad. They were the Juice Squad. We got Tal Cobras. We got Juice Squad. Like they weren't I mean, uh, with blenders on the sideline, were they? <laughs> I don't like, know. Maybe like they were making Jack Lalane uh, energy <laughs> drinks with the uh, fruit. Maybe. He's like, maybe Here, this is gonna help. It's, what did you guys? How did you guys feel about watching the game with no fans in the stands? It was definitely odd. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I would almost rather no fake crowd noise. Okay. I would almost rather be able to hear what the players are saying. I know that that might not be great for the uh, the 17 and under crowd because you never know what you're going to hear. I'd almost rather hear players mic'd up and hear more game sound than hear fan sound because the fan sound is like goofy. Well, we, we definitely heard some hot mic action. Though. We heard some hot mic action. We definitely heard some hot mic action from the EKU coach. And Scoot, the EKU head coach, he had a bit of Jim Levitt to him. Do you agree? He did a little bit, yes. Um, he also, I felt like, was barking up the wrong tree most of the time. Like, here's the deal, buddy. A lot of it's not the officiating. <laughs> it's your team is not good. So why don't we spend some of that energy and re-recruit, recruit better, you know, teach better. I don't know, right. but some of your issue is not the officials. Well, maybe yeah, that's I, what he was saying. We just couldn't hear that part. Like, look, dude, my team already sucks. Can you not call these penalties? And, and like, that's what I don't get. Those guys, they want to, like, bark at the officials. You've been beaten like a drum two straight <laughs> weeks by two teams from West Virginia. Like, and one of them, not a power five. Like, it's it's not – it's not us. It's you. That's the problem. Well, I thought that it was interesting to to see, especially when they did the wide angle shots with nobody in the stands, the official attendance. In case you were wondering, there was an official attendance number. They let family some uh, they let players family in there. Well, Guido, at first, I was actually surprised when they the game came on. You could see quite a bit of people. Well, I'm saying quite a bit. But, you know, I was expecting zero and you had group of you know group of people around the midfield area i guess they said that was uh staff members family folks like that yeah staff members family official attendance was 976 attendance <laughs> that's game. actually way more than i would think yeah that's actually a bigger like, number I, would, than I, would think. I thought you were gonna say like 200 yeah well it's funny so i'm i'm friends with the fraser family and um so they posted some pictures of them watching the game and it was super interesting to just see, you know, you know, like when people we've done it before. We take cell phone pictures of the stadium. And sure, you see yeah. The stadium. It was like them taking a cell phone picture of the stadium, and it was like four people over here in front of them, and like two people down here, and then like empty on the student section side. So it was very strange. Well, I loved people on Twitter running with the student sections empty. Yeah. Comments like they should give those tickets to paying. Wah, wah. like that that whole running thing that did make me laugh i have to admit but but um 
Yeah, so it was interesting. I do. I I will say, Scoot. I know you missed Charles Hayes doing some dancing in the stands. Yeah, you know, I bet he was dancing at home though. I'm surprised he didn't somehow like uh, go Facebook Live or something with some of his dances. What What other? Uh, so other quick takeaways? Any guy? And you know, special teams. Yeah, I mean, I had my same level of oh boy, special teams. Well, here let's an area of concern. Evan Staley's got a 25-yard field goal, and he somehow pushes it right. Yeah. Yes. Which foot do you want me to kick with, Neil? I can do it. <laughs> Come on. I've, I've been calling you out, son. I can kick either foot 25 yards out. Well, I that did make me raise my eyebrows. So like, I, we're, I mean, I get it. It's a th- kind of a throwaway three points at this point in the game, but that could become a very important three points in a game, you know? So, I oh, mean, sure, yeah. Sure. I will say Tyler Sumter started off pretty well this season, even though he only had uh, two punts. But they were both for about 55 yards. So that's a good way to start your average uh, for the year. And Sinkfield also, so on on kick returns, I think early, um, to his credit, the rest of the day I think was clean. But Alex Sinkfield had almost, he almost lost one early. I think he dove back on it. But Yeah, so special teams, again, it just always seems like every year we just can't get it together. It's always special teams is this concern. I'm kind of with Scoot though. It makes me wonder if, you know, if that's something that continues, is that something that makes Gerard Parker um see now I just call him Gerard because I just I just like it more. <laughs> Gerard, but I wonder Gerard if Jared Parker Parker. gets later in the season and he's like, you know what, I'm going for it because I'm not sure I'm not sure I like this length of a field goal. You know, it makes me just right. wonder about that stuff. So I guess we'll see. I mean, hopefully that was just a one off thing Saturday. So in good news, guys, after the weekend of college football, 247 Sports came out with their super ridiculously, I doubt we're going to play any, but here's some early bowl predictions for you. Uh, West Virginia right now picked to go to the Cheez-It Bowl and play against Virginia Tech. Yeah, I saw that. Of course. Why wouldn't we go to a bowl after, you know, the Cheez-It Bowl? Come on, Scoot. We love Cheez-Its. The oh Cheez-It my goodness. Bowl. What are you your favorite Cheez-Its? I would submit Duo's Parmesan. I do like a Parmesan. I also like a white cheddar. Yeah. I like a white cheddar grooves. White cheddar Look, grooves Look, you're already behind this bowl, and it's not even remotely I just, official. I know. Like, it, it hurts me year in and year out to root to go to some ridiculous product in a bowl after the you know the word bowl after it you know like the turtle wax bowl or something like like <laughs> can we not go to like one of the premier bowls can we not try to go to like a cotton bowl a sugar i know some of the i mean we're trying conferences have yeah you i mean know, that's affiliations the goal. i get it the conferences have affiliations with some of these things i mean that's but, the goal there's no bulletin board with a cheese it bowl hey, thing pack 12 not it. playing can we please go to the rose bowl Right. I mean, come on. Let us go to one of these big name bowls. Instead, we're going to go to the uh, Flex Seal Billy Mays Bowl. Like, come on. Here's the thing I don't get. We're picked to go to the Cheez It Bowl with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech hasn't even played a game yet. Their game against UVA was canceled because they've got an outbreak of COVID yeah, on the Virginia Tech staff. Isn't that kind of par for the course with Tech, though? They're probably also ranked in the top 15. I mean, and looking at the. So, Johnson, just a real quick buzz through the Big 12 weekend. That oh, we yeah. Had. Let's we, talk about that wonderful Saturday. We, we won. Nobody else seemed to want to win this <laughs> no weekend. No one else wanted to do anything. So, Iowa State lost to Louisiana 31 to 14. Which no, I was gonna say Iowa State number twenty three ranked Iowa State lost to the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, to Listen. the Raging Cajuns, and so thirty one to fourteen. And 
at first I was like, well, you know, I was trying to think back like Louisiana, I think was 11 and three last year. And then I was like, okay. But two of those losses were to app state. I think the other one was, uh, I think they played an sec team and they lost to, but then, then you, you just look at 31 to 14. They're not supposed to roll into Ames and go 31 to 14. And I thought Brock Purdy, who we we've been hearing all these wonderful preseason things about, he actually, he didn't look very good. 16 to 35. He didn't look very purdy. Purdy, if you will. He threw purdy. an interception. <laughs> it cha- This loss, though, changes my outlook on things, Guido, I have mm-hmm. to say. Because, and let's, so, and to support that, Kansas State follows that up with a loss to Arkansas State, 35 31. If that wasn't bad, if that sentence wasn't bad enough for you, then also know that Arkansas State was without 20 players for this game including eight of their starters i know it's ridiculous i mean here here's the thing johnson that we're we all got to keep in the back of our minds which is you know things are a little different this year and and camp was a little different for all these teams so maybe that's part of it but that would i feel like again we put up a decent showing against eku these even texas tech had problems with Houston Baptist University, which I didn't even know existed. Who I can only imagine is a vacation Bible school that decided to have football <laughs> as one of their activities well, for the week. What is going on here? And, and I, I read know. somewhere that Houston Baptist, whatever, university, one, they have bleachers on one side of their stadium and a CVS on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, so if you if you finish out with Kansas getting just drilled by the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, then you start to not feel so bad about a big, big fifty-six no. to ten win over EKU. I'm I'm no, actually I mean, very we look, satisfied. We look good. I mean, other than Oklahoma played uh, played Missouri State and beat the pants off of them forty-eight to nothing. And I have to tell you, first of all, two things. One is uh, maybe the best quarterback name in the Big 12 right now is Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. That's a great name for a quarterback. That is a great name. I love that name. Redshirt freshman for Oklahoma, too, is he's the real deal. He looks good. Another great Oklahoma quarterback. Makes me want to puke. Enough. Uh, I know. Enough with these people. Well, I think Texas handled UTEP, if I'm remembering correctly, Guido. I don't think Baylor played. I think their game was canceled. That game got canceled or postponed. So it's it was an interesting weekend to say the least uh, for all of us Big Twelve fans. So before we, I know we're I know we're going a little bit long here, Guido, but just really really fast. So last week we all put in our thoughts about win loss and all that kind of stuff. Does this Saturday? I, I don't know that you learn a whole lot from EKU, but EKU paired with this rundown of weird losses by teams. Does that give you? Um, I, I, I so I was five and five uh last week i might be six and four now uh i might i had us losing iowa state i thought iowa state was going to be a yeah, better me team. too me too and they still might be right I'm, so i'm gonna hold, right sure you know i'll stick with my five and five yeah and it doesn't mean like any of these teams go on to have a season based on that first game but i think it pushes me toward the more of the six and four than maybe i was i i was four and six i am maybe more Maybe more five and five, but I'm still like waiting to see how many guys get suspended or how many people are out each week and you know, week in, week out. Right. WVU, I don't know, can sustain, you know, if there's multiple guys out for some reason, I don't know that that will bode well against some of those teams. I don't know. We'll just have to see, but we'll have to see. I will say one thing and then we'll go to a break. Uh, 
there is one 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 group that looked really bad this weekend. Okay. Uh, when you look at everything, and it's that was the Big Ten. Oh, the Big yes. Ten looked horrible yeah, this weekend. They, it was a way. bad bad look for them. Now they're talking about trying to play in October. They're all of a sudden the Big Ten's like, oh, 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 wait, everybody else playing football? We should do. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that they're supposed to be moving toward a right. vote. It'll be interesting to see how long of a season they get and and you know do these other conferences band together and say we're gonna play you know new new year's eve we're gonna play you know that first second week of january regardless of where you guys are at in your seasons we'll see what happens it'll be interesting well listen let's take a break we'll come back with everybody's favorite game show on a podcast about wvu sports that's bluff the fluffs don't go anywhere you're listening to got your ears on Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. I feel like, I'm just telling you right off the bat, I feel like there's a ton of negativity coming from Scoot, and you and I are going to have to bring him back down to earth. Oh, you think so? So Scoot's usually the glass half full. I feel like lately you and I are the glass half full. Oh, oh yeah. Like, listen, I feel like uh, this is like all of West Virginia fandom right now is nuts like about how negative they are about this team. And I just want to like... I just want to yell for the next hour about how everybody's wrong. That's what I want to do. So, but yeah, Scoot, I feel I feel like there's negativity coming from you. Well, uh, that's because there is. <laughs> that's that's why you feel that way. Okay. Okay. I, fair. Enough. I'm not sold. I'm not sold. How? Are you, okay. Uh, so first of all, let's talk about it. West Virginia loses this weekend to Texas, thirteen to seventeen. All right, thirteen to seventeen. All right. West Virginia held the best offense in the Big 12. This is true. 17 points. Yes. All right. They held their quarterback to 184 passing yards. Right. They held them to under 350 yards. And on top of that, the only reason West Virginia lost the game was because of horrible Big 12 officiating. Yes. And some non-catching of balls. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So all of your positives, all of your positives center on... One phase of the game. No, I, I just no, I don't think so. I think and you and we'll talk it. We'll break this out a little bit. I think my positives are in all facets of the game. I think this team's coming along. I can't figure out, and where I'm having trouble right now is I can't figure out where the problem is. And I, I, I have, I, I have, I have a submission. I and I have one too. But like when you start to break it down and you look at just the Big Twelve, like let's take everything else out of it. And let's talk about the Big 12 right now. West Virginia, number two, ranked second in total offense in Big 12 yeah. right now. West Virginia, right now, ranked third, third in passing right now. No, I'm sorry, second in passing right now in the Big 12. You know, so I don't, 
we're going to talk about all oh, the uh, the wide receivers can't you know catch balls. Well, they're ranked second in passing right now. We're we're second. We're the number two passing team in the Big Twelve. Like, where's the problem? What's the disconnect? Officiating. That's well, what let's I'm go. go. Well, let's go through the game, and then I think we'll we'll shake that out. Okay, well, I have confidence in Scoot. Well, I've got the answer. So I guess you know to start off. I mean, where do you want to start, Johnson? First quarter. Was the you know we let them score the first series we scored the next series I thought here we go this is what well, I thought it was yeah, going to be I think so start out I mean first play of the game they rip off what a fifty four yard run their running back Robinson goes galloping just like gaping hole he's off to the races almost scores yeah um, puts him in the red zone and I think right off the bat the West Virginia fan in me the traditional West Virginia fan in me was like we just lost we're done here we go this is a terrible this is a bad omen it's going to be a long this day this is going to be a long day here we go but and and they went on to score um but i think like you said we responded and that was a great that was a great drive that was actually uh what would become an anomaly in the first half i think if you we amassed like i think a I don't know. One play alone, I think we went to right for like 39 yards, but we had massed like maybe a 50 to 60 yard drive. We ended the first half with not a whole lot more than that, really. Um, right. So, but the fact that we responded, I was like, okay, you know, let's reset this. Let's get back in the game. And then the defense, like to what you were saying, the defense tightened up. I thought the defense played a great game. I thought they played a great first half other than Texas was having a lot of success running the ball. Well, and I think, you know, for me, what kind of came out of it was something wasn't right with Letty Brown on Saturday. And I'm not, you know, if it's health, if it's whatever it was, uh, you know, he only had 47 rushing yards. His longest rushing attempt was the 12-yard touchdown that he scored in the fir- that second, that first series, the offensive series that we had. Um, so something never clicked there. And we had yet another game, similar to what we saw a few weeks back, where Jared Daigie you know, has 50 passing attempts again. You're, you know, yeah. he's 31 for 50 for 317 yards. He's passing the ball a ton. Yeah. Well, I think that's so Letty apparently, and I didn't know that coming into the game. Maybe you guys did, but Holly Rowe, who don't you always, don't you always like when Holly Rose and I feel like she is a friend to the university. Like whenever she, it's usually basketball, but I always, I like it when Holly's involved. It's like, she's always, a good ambassador for us on TV. I always like that. But she pointed out, I guess he had upper thigh heavily taped. You could kind of see it through his uniform, you know, so he was obviously bad battling some kind of hip groin injury. And I guess that's why we saw a lot of Alex Sinkfield, um, who, you know, I would submit is, you know, they, they kind of on the broadcast, they act like he's the B to Letty's a, but, I never really feel like that. I never get that impression. I I like I like Sinkfield's speed, but he can't he can't make his own holes. He can't really do the type of like bull rush things that Letty does. So definitely had an effect. I think we, you know, we ended the first half with not so many rushing yards. And to your point about fifty passing attempts, what I I think that pushes you into we became we became masters the rest of the game of the like three to five yard quick pass to move ourselves down the field. Yeah. And scoot, like we ended up having time of possession. We had the ball 10 minutes longer than Texas did 35 minutes to 25 minutes, which is crazy. It's crazy. And yet, 
you know, it, it, we look at we're the only team right now in the Big 12 that is not having these big shootout, crazy high scoring games uh, that all the other teams seem to be, be having. So where's the problem, Scoot? Like what what's the how do you correct it? It's, Where what's it's the, the lack of the big play? Like so our defenses don't really have to worry about a deep threat because if they sag off our receivers, they know for the most part, unless the receiver breaks five or ten tackles, they're gonna keep them from scoring the big the big play. And that's the to me, that opens up you have a big play threat, that opens up the running game, so that Letty and Alex Singfield, who I would, I would uh, say that he is not one A or one B. I would throw him probably more like one L, would be <laughs> where he fits in on the offensive scheme of things. Because I'm not high on Alex Singfield. Uh, he might be a great kid. I really don't know, but he certainly likes to see what the ball can do off of the front of his uniform on a punt. And he also likes to uh, gain roughly he, – he tries to gain, I think, how, how much or how few inches can I gain from the line of scrimmage yet still have a positive gain. So he, he does that well. Well, I think that gets in – I think that gets into what I was going to submit as the issue, Guido. So maybe we just jump into that. Go so, for it, yeah. So pregame – so my man J.M. Kreitz on Twitter, he I it was like we're we're here, you know, we're eye to eye on things, I think, because he tweets out, now I'm worried. He's John Antonick. When John Antonick, I feel like he's E.F. Hutton of of WVU Twitter. Like when John Antonick tweets something, I listen. Okay. Yeah, and right. and my man Kreitz subtweeted him and said, So Antonick was saying Tom Herman thinks his D line is one of the deepest. And so my man Kreitz is like, now I'm worried because I think our O-line tends to struggle at times. And so I felt like I spent going into the game and then during the game and then uh, certainly compounded when Letty couldn't get going. I, I kept watching what's our O-line doing? How's our O-line faring? How, how is, you know, in these 50 pass attempts, Squido, I think, I think, Deggy's getting hurried a lot. He's getting, you know, he's getting the ball out just in time. He doesn't have a whole lot of time. So I think Parker and Coach Brown, you suddenly have to morph everything into into quick pass, quick slant, three-yard pass, five-yard screen, bubble screen, you know. And I know Scoot gets frustrated with that, but it's sort of like that becomes your run game. That becomes your defense to uh, Deggy not getting his head taken off the whole time. So I guess long story short, I think – uh, because you even pointed out in our notes some key plays where Deggy got blown up because people miss people miss blocks. So I think when your O line tends to be on skates against a team like that, especially then when you get inside the red zone, it's that much harder to cash in. You know, because now everything's condensed and you can't protect. Yeah, and I and I and I see what you're saying. I mean, there have been plenty of teams that have been super successful running those you know, short out routes and crossing patterns for five yards and making, you know, Super Bowl championships out of it. Um, but you can't argue that we went up and down the field. We just didn't, we just didn't cash it in. No, we did. We just couldn't, we couldn't convert. Yeah, that was the problem. Right. And, the, and that, and that, and that's where, you know, 
we failed this week where we've been really good. We were three for five in the red zone this week. Usually that's a five for five, four yeah. for five. Right. Um, and of those three for five, only one of them was a touchdown. So I think that was a problem. I mean, and and, and I and I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy who hangs the blame on something that's outside of the program's control. But officiating Johnson was horrendous. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree, and I think I try not to complain too hard about Big Twelve refs, but you know their general level of badness, but. Uh, I, I thought this was a really, really bad showing Two in particular that you're probably going to hit on the backward pass that I thought, you know, come on, what are we like CSI? This went under review for a while. People were drawing lines on the screen to try and like see where the ball to me, that's a backward pass all day. You're just in Austin and you're just going to have to deal with not getting the benefit of that. And then I think at the end of the game, is it Winston Wright? Who's in the end zone getting a piggyback ride from a yeah. Texas D-back? I mean, that's 100% a pass interference I, I think call. that's 100% PI. Um, you know, the and, only... I still, and, I, and I also have a problem with the, with the touchdown reversal call. You know, that was, uh, you know, you, you look at that a million times, and I don't see how that was concrete evidence that the ball touched the ground on that. To me, that... It looked like he had control. Looked like his hand was under it. I think in the NFL, you know, that's a that's a U.S. Gene Stair tour. That's a touchdown. You know what I mean? Well, I think that one. I, I was already so mad that he just didn't catch it cleanly because it I thought he gave him a good. Yeah, I mean, he just put it right there for him. I was already angry that he just he didn't catch it cleanly. To me, that's one that got that just got away. And and how big did that loom then over the rest? Oh yeah, of the game? and then you had that next play. And I praise Zach Frazier up and down. And seriously, as a true freshman, he's been amazing this season. But he just totally missed that blitz. Yeah, and, and Daggy got blasted. Daggy got yeah. blasted, right. you know. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I think there were definitely those three calls that really turned West Virginia on their back. And, I agree. Yeah, I agree. put them in a position where they didn't have a, any chance in that game. And that pass interference call at the end of the game was just so atrocious that that wasn't called yeah it was a bad non-call yeah what i learned from the game is i learned where uh jared deggy was from hey did you know uh, he's from lubbock well, and was, here we go you again. know because we didn't know that right we didn't know that listen, from. I, learned... listen, I don't want to get on it because i really like joe tessitore like i think joe tessitore <laughs> calls a great game he's fun to listen to he's funny like the whole thing yeah, with the guy does. the west virginia fan in the croc in the cowboy boot <laughs> yes, come on man that yeah. was hilarious and the and the tavon yeah. austin what team doesn't he like he doesn't like texas who didn't recruit him I, I, heard, I did learn. I, heard, I, I think I heard it was Texas that. Tech. Yeah, I, I hate Texas to tell you, Scoot. I hate to tell you this, but you got a whole nother season. I think of having to listen to this stuff because <laughs> yeah. I think Daggy's back next year. Yeah, Daggy's the starting quarterback for the team next year, and ESPN only has one thing to talk about when it comes to <laughs> yeah. Jared Daggy. They're going to bring up the their fact notes, that he's from, and they're going to go, oh. go, "Oh, he's from Lubbock, Texas." Do you have a brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a brother. He went to Texas Tech. Texas Tech. I mean, so I hear you on it. Let's let's switch sides of the ball. Well, before we leave, though, can we do one thing before we leave? I okay. thought two things in particular. I thought I thought Winston Wright once again. You know, we're banging on him a little bit for this drop, but overall, I thought he continues to be solid in in the receiver court. And I think Esdale had a wonderful yeah, game. and we haven't really talked about him at all. No, we yeah, right, we haven't. He had a couple catches that were just strong, just big boy wide receiver catches. So I thought that was great. He was always, it always seemed like he was in the right place at the right time, 
coverage was minimal on him. Yeah. It was really good. I'll say this. Uh, TJ Simmons is good for one, like, 45 to 50-yard reception a game, and he did that as well. And don't you – when he does that and makes it look easy, don't you go, man, like, can we get more of that? That would be great. I go, that's why he was recruited by Alabama. And then there's got to be some other factors as to why we don't see that on a regular basis. Well, because he makes it look easy, and you're right. It's like once or twice a game, and you're like, okay, get like, let's do that. Let's work. Let's work that in every series. I feel like he is the if if the receiving core, if a position were to have its own captain, I feel like he is the captain of the receiving core. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. He may not lead the team in catches, but I feel like he's like the the grandfather. Like he's the the guy that kind of yeah, right like either calms them down or gets them focused or and i think he leads in those ways and i know a lot of times he's carried the flag out the state flag right so he's kind of bought into the whole idea that you know this is the state's team it's not just the college's team so i i mean he seems like a good guy yeah i totally agree he just doesn't produce like you would want to see him produce well and i think this is again another week of the same thing that we've been saying all season which is uh, there's no standout receiver on this team there's nobody that's taken the reins there's no number one guy and you saw it again with the fact that there were 10 different people that fell on the box box uh, score with re- receptions including jared daigie throwing the ball to himself for negative nine yards yeah that happened which i feel like that should count <laughs> i listen i i i thought it was an awesome play that he got it and threw it and you know back but unfortunately um but it does count as a reception for himself but again it's it's one of those things where there's nine different guys you know um all of which all of those nine guys caught multiple or had multiple uh targets so it's still one of those things where we st- there there isn't a receiver that is the number one receiver that it would allow any of the other guys to break out. And- well, or or the guy like what I hear you saying is it's th- there's no like all right the ball has to go to X like there's well, no David guy Sills. like, like yeah, when, right. when you need week- you know you need a play oh okay the the ball has to go here we don't really we don't really know who that is right, right. now. So. In one week we see you know T.J. Simmons as the leading receiver next week it's bfw the next week it's winston Wright. so it's it's not like every week we're seeing the same guy at the top of the stat sheet too well and some different guys and i early on i tended to think that was bryce ford wheaton but then sometimes he he doesn't really you know well do you know who it's not and we always i thought it would be it's not sam james yeah it hasn't been sam james yeah but i do think but i do think he's playing better um, but I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. Like I, f- I felt like he was poised to break out, and this would become his, his team, and that has not happened at well, all. Well, I mean, maybe it still can, but I think like after watching that, I came away thinking, I think you got to get Esdale more targets. Like he looks great. So anyway, yeah. anyway, okay, let's we can hit the defense. Looking, yeah, looking on the other side of the ball, it's the same story that it's been every week that we've been talking yeah, about, which is yeah. defense is strong. Tony Fields is definitely the leader of this team. You know, another game where he had double-digit tackles. Um, Dylan Tonkery starting to kind of pull himself out of the fold. Yeah, Scoot, big motor. Yeah, he's a a West Virginia guy. Kind of reminds me, I I know he's, was he from Bridgeport? Harrison County. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so we, I, you know, you know Bonamico is a popular name there, but Tonkery also uh, played with the Bonamicos at Bridgeport High and they were perennial high school powers Bridgeport two, is so not, two not sacks, too surprising uh no one sack two tackles for a loss um so just he just looked great 
Um, well, do you think that's because he's he's looking great because there are some headline names that other teams are keying in on? So, you know, we know the Stills brothers, of course. We've we've seen what uh, Prince Akeem is doing. Um, Tony Fields. Uh, I mean, I didn't know Tony Fields existed until this year, until he transferred to WVU. So that proves to me that the Pac-12 is useless, um, <laughs> and it's West Coast, and nobody cares about the West Coast. Also, uh, Jared Bartlett, which I'll be honest, I didn't think much of Jared Bartlett in the sense that, like, you know, what was it, two games ago where they yeah, announced Texas, that's all they Texas talked Tech. about? And I was like, yeah. you, who's the, what games are you guys watching? <laughs> so I think we've got some names that are floating around that aren't named Dylan Tonkery. And guess what? When that happens, guess who's free? Dylan Tonkery. Yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of that. And I think to me, there's just, you could, you could add, you could add even more names on Chandler there. Samedo. I yeah. think Pooler. I think there's so many guys. Uh, you gotta try low. Yeah, yeah. They all played great. And I think when you move into the, I think Mahone, thank goodness he didn't get uh, tossed for that. Tar- I'll be honest. Almost, thought, it almost was, target. thought it yeah, was. Should've I kind of, I kind of did too. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was too, but I thought he came back and played another terrific game after last week i thought that whole i love our defensive secondary a die mahone um tyke smith. smith you know someone He's tweeted deal. someone tweeted during the game tyke smith is going to be a sunday player i i totally agree with that he he's been playing so big lately so yeah i i that's the and that's the frustration guido because once again you find yourself this week saying we don't need a lot of points we just need enough you know we just need like we need that touchdown pass not to be dropped. We need, we just need one more score really in this game, and the defense is going to take care of you. So that to me, that's once again this week. That's the frustration. And and I, and and that's the thing that I'm not sure is going to change for the rest of the season, which is I'm not sure that we're going. We're I think we're going to continue to see West Virginia University defense stop these teams. These you know juggernauts of the big 12 if you will you know tcu's whatever it is this week and we'll talk about them but we got oklahoma we got iowa state that's playing great coming up i think we can stop them i think we can keep the points low it's no, just I we agree. can't we can't you know it's it's we're baseball guys it's one of those things we gotta talk about baseball you can have a guy pitching no hitter but if you can't put a run up it yeah, doesn't right. matter you know yeah, sure and it's the same thing it's 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 the same problem like this team just can't convert and you know i think I think what a lot of people are saying this week and a lot of the blame is being put on play calls and going for it on those fourth downs and not taking the points. You know, I I don't know if that is an indictment on the special teams and on the kicking game and the fact that Evan Staley isn't there and Casey Leg is not a trusted leg to kick it. Um, or if it's something else, if it's them trying to just create more momentum and mojo, I have a feeling it's probably the first thing. Yeah, it probably is. I, I think it's definitely weighing in. But at the same time, it you know, I found myself as we edged toward the end of the game, like, man, I would have loved to have had points in those situations. But it's easy to second guess that. It it's it easy. And it's and it's one of those things and I and I even tweeted it out this week. Like I thought the play calling this week was way more aggressive than it had been in weeks past. And I thought that we saw some different stuff out there. I think that, you know, the 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 offense was trying and making some different and newer things work. It's just they, they for some reason they can't get it down the field and into the end zone. It's like this the the all all the parts are there, they just can't put it all together. Well I continue to submit that it's 
the O-line is improving, and I like our O-line. I mean, I didn't like our O-line last year. I think you can see a market improvement, but I, I don't think it's to the point where when you get down there in a crunch situation, the field is short. You know, you can't spread the field and then and then pick apart with quick slants and stuff. You need a push. I think that's where we. I think that I. I feel like that's where we got caught this week. So West Virginia drops one. A tough. That's a tough loss to Texas this weekend, especially only holding Texas to seventeen points, seventeen to thirteen. Right. Yep. Uh, we covered the spread, so the gamblers were probably happy. <laughs> um, so. Uh, we travel now, or actually, t- we come back home, or we're already back home more than likely. We bring TCU, we host TCU on Saturday at noon at Milan Pushkar Stadium on Fox, another nationally televised game. Sounds like we're going to get Gus Johnson screaming the play-by-play, so that's always fun. Texas uh, Christian University walloped, like just spanked Texas Tech this weekend, 34-18, to 18, and that score sounds a lot closer than that game was. And I think the interesting thing that's coming out of this, looking at TCU and looking at the team that we're going to be facing this week, is the fact that TCU is a running offense. They run the ball a lot. Their number one rusher is their quarterback, Max Duggan. But set that aside, they're averaging second most in the Big 12 right now with almost 200 yards a game. And they're averaging six to eight people rushing the ball during the game. Oh, wow. so it's not. I didn't like know that. That's a little yeah, bit crazy. You're, you're seeing this past weekend, there were eight different players who had rushing attempts, and so it'll be interesting because I feel like on the other end of that, that's sort of our strong suit defensively is stopping the rush. So it it, it could play to our our you know the positives for us this week, but. Again, it's the same conversation we've been having, guys, which is we can keep them from scoring, but can we score? Well, I just hope they don't bring those god-awful uniforms. <laughs> the, these black, orange, blue, purple, silver. They were like, like frogs of war They outfits. are hideous. Remember that that's when I explained to you the red tip stuff was because the horned frog, his defense mechanism is to shoot blood from his eyes. And you which thought I was crazy. Disgusting. Then we looked it up. Yeah, that's a bit... Like I mean, crazy town. It's gross. It's a bad thing. It's <laughs> it's, it's a gross. Ba- it's a bad are, thing. Are they are they the only college team, Division One college team, with an amphibian as its mascot? Oh, I, they can't be right. It's got. There's got to be. I mean, typically, are you afraid of amphibians? Negative. I mean, horned frog that shoots blood out of its eyes. That sounds pretty intimidating. That's I a mean, little yeah, scary. Yeah, that's gonna freak me out. Yeah, that's gonna. But it's gonna freak. I me mean, out. I'm not really. Generally speaking, no. Like, if your team was named the Gila Monsters, nah, I don't really. Care. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, look, watch out for the iguanas this week. We got but the iguanas. Guido, this I feel like TCU is very close to us. It's almost like looking in a mirror a little bit when you look at what they've accomplished this season. So they lose to Texas by. I mean, they beat Texas by two. They lose to Kansas State really close. Um, they beat Baylor. They beat the trash can in Lubbock that we should have. Yep. Um, so I think they come in pretty strong. I think they look a lot. They probably, you know, feel like a solid team, like I think of us. So I, I almost feel like when I felt uh, the upcoming game against Kansas State, I thought that was going to be a, a blow for blow game. And, and then we put the smackdown on Kansas State. So for some reason, I feel like we come out angry. We come out mad from this Texas game. And I feel like we scoot, we take care of business in this game. Uh, I I will reserve judgment on that. I I don't know. I'm I'm 
a little leery. I think I had this originally pegged as a loss, so I'm I'm still uh, I've got my doubts. So West Virginia right now is a three point favorite over TCU going into this week, and the over under on the game is forty seven. So a very low over under for your average Big Twelve uh, matchup. Usually you see the Big Twelve games fifty two, fifty five, sixty points on the over under. So this week you've got West Virginia picked by three points. I hope I'm with you, Johnson. Like, I feel like I'm with you. I think we can keep TCU from scoring. I don't see TCU getting more than mid-teens again in points, like just like we did with – I mean, if we can hold Texas, the number one offense in the Big 12, to 17 points, we can hold TCU to 17 points. That's where I'm at. The question is, is can we score 21? Can we score more than that, yeah. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say West Virginia 21 – Texas Christian University, 17, West Virginia covers and wins this weekend. I, I love that score. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I'm I'm gonna double down on that scoot. Nice. Nice. 21-17. scoot. You want in on it? Uh no. No, I don't. <laughs> uh I am gonna say that uh TCU scores twenty-four points and WVU scores thirteen. Thirteen points. Ew. Ew. That's that's upsetting. I don't like thirteen at all. That'd be thirteen. That that would be unlucky thirteen two weeks in a row. That's what you're telling 24, me. Twenty four thirteen. All right. We get blood spit in our eyes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we get squirt. And we get blood squirted s- on us. Sticky hands. That's gross. I think that's what they got. I think yeah. frogs got sticky hands. Are they hands on a frog? No, frogs don't have hands. What are those? What frog have you ever said that frog's got hands? Legs? I know they got legs, but what do they got? They got hands. No. Right? <laughs> I think a frog's got hands. I've eaten frog legs before. I've never eaten frog hands. Why do you ask me these questions that kind of break my brain? I think a frog has got a hand. Why do you do that? I don't know what to do with that. I think it's not a frog paw. Well, yeah, isn't it though? It's like yeah, it's not a frog paw. It's not a hand. I think it's a hand. Look at the, look at the look at the hands on that frog. <laughs> look at the look at the hands on that frog. I'm just saying that frog's got himself a set I'm of mitts. I'm just saying that's a set hands. of mitts. <laughs> I think they got right. hands. And good news for us this weekend: the trapezoid of evil uh, kind of. Uh, oh yes kind of fell apart a little bit so this is interesting guido we so just for a quick hashtag trapezoid of evil update um i thought it was interesting that the twerps the maryland twerps went into happy valley they beat penn state so first of all you need to know that i believe penn state now goes to zero and three for the first time in a long time which is crazy because penn state was picked to be a good team coming yeah, out of right uh, the big big 10. so hate that for them yeah um and in the mix of this win, uh, I, tw- I retweeted it because it just caught my attention. I thought it was so funny because you got to keep in mind that I think the week prior we talked about Maryland because they lost 43 to three to Northwestern. Right. Right. Northwestern scoot a notably purple wearing team. Yeah. Again, again, horrible purple wildcats. Come on. So they go into Happy Valley. The twerps beat Penn State. Then they send this tweet out. And at the the caption says Guido Sad Valley, and it has that. a Maryland player in front of a whiteout stadium at Penn State. It says, you know how they say we are, and then the other side of the stadium says Penn State. Right. The this this tweet says you were, <laughs> like 
how much shade scoot can the twerps throw? I mean, and they're and they're in these uh, roller hockey roller derby uniforms that they wear. Like the whole thing just made me laugh. Like, they really probably shouldn't be running their yapper since Northwestern is like notoriously horrific in most sports. Smart people, not athletic. Smart, smart people. Yes. Smart, smart people. people, not very good at the sport. So Maryland gets the win over Penn State. That was trapezoid, kind of a trapezoidal battle. And then if you needed something to feel better about after like pretty much as we were in the process of getting a terrible non-pass interference call to end our game, Virginia Tech have been trailing Liberty. I think they're the Flames, Scoot. They are the Flames. They are the Flames. They have Hugh Freeze from his hospital bed calling <laughs> plays. Yeah, He's up in the hospital. I think he just does that now for fun. I think just as for old time's sake. He just yeah. hangs out in his hospital bed. They So tied 35-35, Liberty line, lines up to kick the winning field goal. They kick it. Virginia Tech blocks it. They return it for a touchdown. Pandemonium ensues. They win the game. Only they don't, because uh, is it Fuente? Uh, Justin Fuente, the head coach, called a timeout, so it didn't count. They have to let Liberty realign, kick the field goal. Liberty makes it. They beat the Hokies at in Blacksburg, thirty-eight, thirty-five. So I thought, like, I'm pretty sure. If we, the three of us, were to walk onto the sideline in uh, Liberty football uniforms, they would play us because they wouldn't they know put us, the put difference between the guys they've got and us. <laughs> I can't. I mean, they, no they disrespect to the Liberty uh, college athlete. It's, like, uh, it, it's Liberty. Liberty very much like University of Phoenix, right? It's like, just, I mean, nobody knows who really goes there. Is that what I think. Is? I think we could be starters. For Liberty. Yeah, so uh, Johnson on top of that, just to keep going with Trapezoid of Evil, Pitt beat somebody, but nobody really cares. Yeah, I think they won. Nobody cares. Let's just, that's the end of the update. So I have to say the trajectory, albeit not that bad, of the football team, I'm hashtag trust the climb. I'm still there, boys. I'm still mm. a Neil Brown guy. This team's going to be national champions in the next five years. I'm still there, but. Uh, I'm super excited and I just really, I, I'm ready to do a basketball show. Like I'm ready to, like, I want to do a whole episode just about basketball, which I know is coming up, but, uh, I'm starting to get excited about basketball with one exception. Um, teams keep dropping out of the bad boys, big, <laughs> bad mower, bad boys, crossover, bad mm, classic, bad boys. I don't understand what's happening. All these teams are leaving. And so Scoot last week is like, oh, all these teams are so good, and we're going to come out of there ranked third in the nation. And then all of a sudden, every team is leaving this 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 basketball tournament. Well, and I was excited for Dayton to be in it. They're always a good team. So, yeah, it's one more. Uh, that, that sucks because now – do they get replaced, or are we just down a team? How do you think this works? Well, so we already lost Ohio State, and they got replaced. Yeah, now we've right. Dayton, who was replacing Duke in the first place. Right, that's actually, I forgot that. Yes, is now right. out. So, yeah. And I, so what's know. the reason for them leaving? What is the... Well, I think it's COVID. They're all saying COVID, which I don't understand because it's still two weeks until this yeah, tournament just says due, off anyway. due to COVID. Yeah, due to COVID. Like so, they're scared of COVID in South Carolina or South South Carolina, South Dakota. Well, you know, I and I and I wonder actually. So not to get into the whole COVID thing and get people all riled up, but North and South Dakota are the two worst states in the United States right now with uh, how many 
positives they have per million people. Okay, so I didn't know that, Scoot. So that means you were going to the Bahamas, and instead, not only are you getting sent to not the Bahamas, but you're getting sent to the one of the worst places for covid is that what yeah, i'm supposed to understand it's right. like a biker rally gone bad oh, no. <laughs> yeah so that's i think that is what is precipitating all of these issues is that the dakotas uh, both north and south dakota are doing very poorly with controlling their covid and i think that's what's making these teams back out right now south dakota is averaging 1300 positive tests for every 1 million People to put that into to some perspective. Right now, West Virginia is averaging 260 per one million people. Uh, so, okay, yeah, you're, you're you're talking about a lot, a big big spread right there. Send send big send big Jim to the Dakotas. Big, they, Dakotas need Big Jim's map. That's what it is. If I were the bad boy, big boy mower classic people, um, why don't I just say, hey, listen, we're gonna have to pull our sponsorship. And we want this tournament played in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, or yeah, I like some it. other yeah. pick pick a pick a city that yeah. doesn't ha- or pick a play a, a state that doesn't uh, have New that. Orleans even or yeah, some other place now. that's Charleston, uh, West Virginia, right? Exactly. Maybe, maybe. But I don't. But here's the thing: they're not. It's not about. I don't think the problem is Scoot is the. And it's not about who's who's in the arena. They could play it anywhere. They could play it at Fairmont right. State. At I guess you that's know, true. It's it's about being able to get TV cameras there and put it on ESPN. And so put them in the bubble. Put, put them in, in the bubble. Put Let's go the, down to Wide World. Of would sports. you like them in the Armory? Some sort of Armory. The Fairmont Armory, right there. The Woody Williams Armory. The Feaster <laughs> Center at FSU. Feaster Center. Yeah, right. Let's do it. So, you know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm starting to get nervous as I think you should that in the next two weeks that this, this whole bad boys, big boy, bad crossover, boys, mower crossover, classic, classic is not going to happen. What do you, what do you always want to call tournaments? You always want to call tournaments classics. This again, this is a, this is a classic. classic. What was the, like, is this a classic? I think it is it's a not. Classic. Yeah, this is a this is a classic. But I this think in previously you've called non classics classics. Like, right. don't you have to have some time in to become a classic? That's my understanding <laughs> like, of classic. You can't just be a classic off the bat. Right. This is no. the first time we've gone to Sioux City. No. How's it a classic? All right. Like this should just be <laughs> the annual. Yeah. It's an annual yeah. until it's the a classic. Right. That's exactly. I agree. It shouldn't even be an annual. It's the first one. It should right. just be the first. The inaugural tournament. Right. So West Virginia University also this week announces that fans will be allowed at home games for basketball, but it's limited to three thousand fans and that's all season. They're 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 not going to talk about are we going to add more later or not all season three thousand fans flat done do you think so, huggins will still complain about filling the stadium <laughs> yes will he still complain about how we can't get three thousand people here <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely going to have huggins in the post-game press conferences going you know if there were more than 2,873 people here it wouldn't be a problem but <laughs> We're playing. We're working hard for you. We're working hard for the, you know. That's about 20%, right? Yeah, Am I, I doing that right? Little, uh, yeah, somewhere So I guess that's saying. where that neighbor, that neighbor, that neighbor, that number came from. So, so uh, I guess that makes sense. So tickets are getting ready to go on sale, but you've got that all going down. And then the good news is, is we're still loved, even with the bad boy, big boy, bad boy, mower classic losing all of these teams. We're still loved by... 
the names out there. Ken Pomeroy has us in uh, his top 10. Uh, Andy Katz has us uh, ranked pretty high. I will say um, Andy Katz has us as the third ranked team in the Big 12 right now. He has us behind Baylor and Kansas. Yep. If you look at Ken Palm, who uh, we love to talk about, Ken Palm has us uh, fourth in the Big 12 behind Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, then us. And um, what's kind of interesting this year, when you look at the Ken Palm rankings, which is what most people go by, uh, right now we own, Big 12 owns the top 10. Yeah, it's kind of insane. Five of the top nine? Yes. Crazy. Crazy. Five of the top nine. So he's got Baylor, he's got Kansas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Texas all in the top 10 this year. You know what I'm excited about? What are you excited about, Scoot? I'm excited about our basketball analyst slash correspondent. I am too. Helping us break down the Big 12. Yes. And and some of what he has seen and experienced. Because and experienced, yes. I think he's going to be able to give us some, some really good insight. He is kind of like a... Maybe a taller version of Fran Frischilla. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I'm, All right. I'm, I might go with that. <laughs> I'd give him. I'd give him more than that. Accolade wise, but okay. Oh, would you, so you're basically saying he's a tall Fran Frischilla. Is that what you're saying? That's all. You, that's all you're giving. Uh, two weeks. Two weeks from uh, from this week, we're gonna have our uh, basketball analyst on. Next week, we'll announce who it is. If you haven't figured out yet. Uh, folks, uh, you're pretty dense because it's kind of obvious, but we are excited. We are super excited. I am uh, pumped. I cannot wait. Friend of the podcast, friend of the pod. He's gonna be a good time to have on, and uh, some great, some great stories will be shared. Don't forget, look for us online. You can find us on social media at Got Your Ears On on Twitter and Instagram. You can also look for us on Facebook and check out our website, gotyourearson.com. Thanks for everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a good week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got Your Ears On.